0: Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast.
1: Happy Sunday, everyone. It's so nice to see all your beautiful faces. Thank you for worshiping and singing for us. Beautiful voice. And Danny, I swear every time you're on, I'm like, he missed his calling in a boy band. Like it's just you have it in you. I love it. I love it when you come up here. Um, but I'm so happy to be here today, this Sunday. And I was really thinking about What do I want to share with you all today? Like, what does God truly want to share with you all today? Because I genuinely believe that it's not even me, genuinely. I'm just a vessel that I hope and I pray that God can speak in and through me. And hopefully that resonates with you all. So as I was walking here, I saw Ryan grab his notebook. I was like, oh, let me grab my journal. And I just opened it up. And I want to share with you all something I wrote back in uh, 2017. And I put, you'll never know who you are if you have not disciplined yourself to know who you are in God. And that's something that is so true. Many people that come to Heartway now don't necessarily know me. 2017, Gabby and this that version of myself used to sit in the corner at church and i would hide and i didn't want anyone to speak to me because i was suffering i was in such a sad place in my life and truly one of the worst relationships that i could ever have was with myself at that time i wasn't I wasn't strong in my foundation in God's love. I didn't, because I didn't recognize God, I couldn't recognize myself. And that's something that back then I probably wouldn't have understood. But what this message here, what I wrote down was about discipline and it's about consistency. God is working in you all the time. He's always working on you, on all of His children. But you're not going to see the fruits of your labor after one Sunday, after one day of practicing centering prayer or worshiping or whichever your practice is. But it's the discipline in deciding that you want to know yourself in God, not through your ego, not through what your mind tells you or all the success you've had outside, right? It's about Understanding yourself in God. Something I read recently was, the most important thing that you need to do in this life is recognize your purpose and your responsibility in God. Meaning, you may think there's something you're supposed to do on this earth, and that's great. But when you can recognize and truly understand the responsibility, the purpose that God planted for you on this earth, and you fulfill that, oh my gosh, the wonders that you'll see, the love that you'll experience. But that all comes through discipline, through believing and following God, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it makes us uncomfortable, especially when it makes us uncomfortable. And that's when we breathe through because we trust in God. We trust that everything that He is doing, that He is putting in our path is in our favor. We are all His children. He loves us. We have to trust, but with real devoted discipline. So I mentioned this to you today to just share that. 27 uh, 2017 Gabby never would have thought she would be up here sharing with you genuinely in such a um, such a great space. But I'm here to tell you that it's so possible. It's so true. doesn't matter where you are right now. God is working with you, but you have to believe because you might not see it tomorrow. But a few years later, you might look back and say, wow, God was always there guiding me through. All I had to do was shut down my ego, break down all the walls, and just experience and trust God so that I can see now the beauty that this journey really is. All right, my friends, I challenge you. I challenge you to be disciplined, to devote yourself to yourself in God. So one way that we're going to practice that is through the Centering Prayer. We're going to find ourselves in a comfortable position. And I want you to close your eyes. And as we close our eyes, I want you to have your palms faced up. Let's have the palms up to receive God's grace, to receive God's love. Let's start by deepening our breath, slowly inhaling, filling up your belly, then gently exhaling, releasing. Every time you inhale, Filling yourself up. Imagine that you're creating space within yourself. Imagine that you're breaking down all those walls, all those barriers. We let go of the illusions that the mind creates telling us what we can't do. We open ourselves up to God's love. And every time you exhale, you're sinking in a little bit deeper. You're releasing. You're letting go of all that you've done in the past. We forgive ourselves. We let go of those chains that are holding us down. We let go of the weight that we hold on our shoulders. We release all the responsibilities. And we sit in peace. We sit in stillness knowing that God is guiding our every move. That we are never alone. Every time you breathe, you're reminded of God's power in you, of His grace. You are reminded that you're alive, that you will have ups and downs, but all of them are working in your favor. Let go. Let go of all that does not serve you. Let go of all that you've done in the past. Let go of all that you haven't done yet. Forgive yourself. For God has already forgiven you. God knows your every move. God knows your heart. He sees your intention. Remind yourself that there's nothing you could ever do that would keep God away from you. For in your darkest and deepest times, when you feel lower than low, God is down there with you waiting patiently with his hand out, waiting for you to grab on. Surrender all of yourself. Surrender all that you believe and connect with God. Open up your heart, open up your soul, and know yourself through God. For you are a beautiful manifestation of God on this earth. Take another deep breath, fill yourself up, and slow exhale, release it out. You are so loved. you are worthy, God sees all that you are and all that you will be. Trust in him. And you can trust in yourself. I want you to take another deep inhale, very slow. And as you slowly exhale, allow the shoulders to come down. Allow the body to be just a little more still. And before we blink, the eyes open. I want you to bring your palms together and bring them to your heart. And I want you to set an intention for yourself. Ask God what he wants from you today. How you can devote yourself a little bit more. We let go of what we want and we surrender ourselves to God so that we can all be vessels that he can work in and through. Take another deep breath, inhale, a little bit more, and then slowly exhale, my friends when you're ready, gently blink your eyes open, may peace and love always be with you. Amen, my friends.
0: Good morning, everybody y'all thought Danny was preaching today. (laughs) Psych! Speaking of Danny, I actually want to do something that I feel like he has uh, omitted, and that is that not that long ago, Danny completed something that I think is really amazing, and in his lack of vanity that disgusts me, he didn't really say anything about it, but can we just actually take a heartfelt second and congratulate Dr. Danny Prada? Yeah. And understand, this isn't completely selfless, because I got a year left till I get mine, so, you know, I'm letting them know ahead of time, listen, I'm getting t-shirts, streamers, we killing it, you know, <laughs> but uh, it's great to be here with you guys today. The title of the message today is Harmonizing Your Ecosystem. And now mind you, I'm going to talk a little bit about what that title means to me and what it's ultimately going to play into with what we're talking about today. But the intention behind this message isn't to teach at all. I'm not here to talk from a pedestal. I'm not here to... Impart some massive wisdom. I decided to talk about this because this is something that I haven't yet overcome it's something that I deal with on a daily basis and Let me just I don't know maybe you, you Too prideful for a show of hands, but I'll speak for myself. Is anybody here? Sometimes your favorite person and then other times your least favorite person God tends to remind me of that when I start judging somebody He's like, you know you piss you off a lot more than they piss you off. (laughs) But then he also reminds me that when I'm in a moment of jealousy or envy, he reminds me that same thing that is manifested in them is also in you, so put your head up. And so I just wanted to get into a little bit of practical spirituality today. That's all it's about. Because when you experience enough life, you realize that You could say all the hymns, you could pray, you could clap and celebrate, but when life hits, I need me some Jesus, like, you know, I need me some practical Jesus, you know, like, what am I gonna do? And so that is what I wanna focus on today. And I actually want to start off with uh, one of my favorite scriptures, almost three and three. How can two walk together unless they agree? And now, mind you, when we hear that, it's very easy for us to apply that to other people, you know, because it's two, it's multiplicity, it's an understanding that, okay, when two or more of us humans are together, if they're walking together, then they have to agree, but we don't apply that to ourselves. And what does that phrase even mean? It's saying that when there are two or more entities they're standing side by side, if movement begins, if their movement is not congruent, then ultimately they will part ways. That if those entities, if they're not walking on the same line, if there is an adjustment in the angle of their movement, they're going to be set apart. But we don't apply that to ourselves. When we look at ourselves, we don't realize the importance of walking in harmony, walking in integration, walking in congruence with our own selves. We judge and we criticize who we are. And we actually tend to flip-flop. Sometimes we love ourselves, sometimes we're, you know, we think we're the best thing since sliced bread. You know, y'all know, y'all know. Mm -hmm. When that paycheck hits, when it hits that account, all of a sudden you're feeling brand new, right? And that's something we flip-flop between, but the reason why we tend to live in this consistent state of judgment and criticism is because within our psyche, we possess this fundamental false belief, and that's going to be slide one. We believe ourselves. We believe ourselves to be singular entities. We see ourselves as a single personality or a single person, but in fact, we're an ecosystem. And now I want you to just stop for a second and imagine an ecosystem. Imagine all of the different wildlife and vegetation that an ecosystem is comprised of. You can think about if it's, you know, if you, if you look at a grassland, you know, or if you look at a, an area or a desert in Africa or whatever. I'm not really much for geography, so excuse me. But it's like it's each animal, each piece of vegetation, they have their own role in the food chain, they have their own purpose, they have their own behaviors and synergistically, they create the nature of that ecosystem. But now, would you ever stop and ask yourself if an ecosystem is worthy, if an ecosystem is lovable, if an ecosystem is capable, if it is You know, if it's a good ecosystem or a bad ecosystem, that doesn't even make any sense because we identify that an ecosystem is a combination, an amalgamation of things. And so we can choose an animal and decide how we feel about it, judge it. We can choose one plant. But when we look at an ecosystem, the multiplicity breaks down the logic of our judgment. Imagine if we were to envision ourselves that way. Because we are ecosystems. We, or at least the personality that we define ourselves to be, is this combination of thought patterns, of emotional patterns, of reward systems, of motivational systems. And all of these things, they collectively create who we are. They each have different roles. and different purposes, our emotions, for example, we see them as just these rambunctious energies that come up when somebody looks at us funny. But in actuality, your emotions have a genuine purpose. They are the form of communication between your subconscious and conscious mind. So basically, emotions are information. What are your thoughts? Your thoughts are your brain's best attempt at interpreting what the hell is going on around you and what's going on inside of you. Your motivational systems, those are designed to get you to go and do things and the nature of our motivation is conditioned by our experiences. When you look at our reward systems in our body and mind, those are designed to get us to repeat behaviors. So we see these constituent entities, these these individual species, if you will, and they're so different and they collectively create the ecosystem that we are. And so the question I have to ask you is, whenever you're trying to scurry and create an opinion of yourself, which you were you talking about? Which one is the one you can stop and say, okay, that's me and that's how I feel about him? <laughs> it doesn't even make any sense because there is not singularity in you, there is multiplicity. And when we apply that, it, gives us such a power to see ourselves in a new light. And the thing is, the reason why we don't behave how we'd like, because, let's be real, we look at ourselves and we hold ourselves to a standard, and we want to behave a certain way. We want to uh, uh, achieve a certain level of success, to to manifest certain goals and dreams and what have you. We want people to see us a, a particular way. But the reason why we don't succeed at controlling ourselves in that way is because we are trying to control ourselves through authority. We're trying to shackle ourselves into place. We're trying to make ourselves conform. But that's the wrong language. We tell ourselves, you should be loving. You should be successful. You should be this. You should be that. And ultimately, you end up adorning the position of both the slave master and the slave. Does it make sense that a slave master and a slave would act in a sense of division? Why they would not walk together in agreement? And so we find ourselves acting in a way that is pulling us apart, that is weakening our strength. But when we come to realize that the goal is not to achieve conformity, that the goal is not to control ourselves, but the goal is actually to identify that we are diverse beings of multiplicity, that we are an ecosystem. And if we can accept and acknowledge the authentic role of each one of those things and bring them together into harmony, if we can harmonize our internal ecosystem, we can find a power that is Amazing. Imagine having your emotions aligned with your goals. Imagine having your authentic self, your authentic sense of being, aligned with those things that you are attached to. If your desire to love could be aligned with your desire to prosper. We can achieve that, first off, when we change our form of communication with ourselves. Because that judgmental, hateful, angry, controlling communication we use, it's ineffective. Because the ecosystem that we are does not respond to conformity. It responds to integration. It responds to harmony. It responds to acceptance. Now, I want to switch to slide two, Proverbs 11 and 3. Mind you, I've been talking about integration, right? So that second word should sound familiar. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Duplicity. I looked up that term and it means double-mindedness. The unf- so let's replace that, right? The unfaithful are destroyed by their double-mindedness. And the integrity, the integration of the upright guides them. When we look at words like integrity and upright, what do we usually think about? We usually think about, oh, I'm good. I'm just. I'm moral. I'm ethical. I'm God-fearing. I'm a good person. That's what we think when we tend to hear this word upright. But when we stop and look at what the word is saying, it's saying, the integrity of the upright guides them. That's not about being perfect. That's not about being you know, worthy and, and beautiful in every way in our eyes. It's about saying the integration, the inner integration of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their double-mindedness, by their division. And so one of the first steps that we can apply when we're attempting to harmonize our inner ecosystem is to achieve a state of single-mindedness as opposed to double-mindedness, to allow ourselves to be focused on a singular path, to not allow for the the shaky, incongruous state that we tend to adorn. Because when we're operating in emotion, we go one way. And then when we operate in logic, we go in another. And then when we find something we want, we get motivated. Suddenly, we start acting different. And then, dear God, lo and behold, we find something we think we need. I know y'all won't acknowledge this, but anybody that's been in a toxic relationship knows, when you think you need something, you start acting funny. You ever heard somebody look at you and say, I don't recognize you ever since you got with so-and-so? That's cool. Don't even look at me. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. I understand. I understand. I'm feeling attacked too. I get you. It's cool. There's really something that we deal with. There's something that we encounter. And there are so many pathways to single-mindedness. If you've been at Heartway for long enough, which most of us have because we're a family here, you would know that For Danny, something that he verbalizes quite often is acceptance. Finding or adorning a state of single-mindedness through having a complete openness and acceptance with life, accepting what is happening right now, accepting what God allows to come through and saying, I am open. And no matter what happens, no matter what I face, my goal, my focus, I may not execute it perfectly, but my intention is to remain in a state of openness and acceptance, very powerful. For me personally, that don't always work. And it's not because the method don't work, it's because your brother don't work, Ryan don't work. (laughs) Because there'll be some stuff that I'll be facing and I'm like, Lord, we're gonna have to put this acceptance thing on hold because <laughs> I, I might have to catch a case over this one. You know what I mean? <laughs> but a pathway that I really enjoy that I actually found by virtue of this man by the name of Dr. Michael A. Singer. Anybody read The Untethered Soul? A, yes. hey, okay. The Surrender Experiment. Those are two of my favorite books. But Dr. Michael A. Singer presents this concept where he says, my goal is simply to not let my heart close. My goal is simply to remain open, to let my heart remain open. He says, because it's it's almost like a buoy. If you look at a buoy bobbing in the water, it naturally floats to the top. You got to put pressure on it to push it down, but when you let go, it bobs to the top. And he said, "Our hearts work just like that, because if it is in God that we live, we move, and we have our beings, and God is love, then respectively, that we are love. And if that's true, if that's not just some woohoo, cute stuff I say to other church folk, <laughs> if I'm genuinely loved, then that means that love is my nature, and that I am." designed, I am actually designed to love, to be in a state of love. And the reason why I find myself in states out of love, in states of fear, is because of my conditioning. It's because of the events that I've experienced that I've interpreted a certain way. And all of those things end up being pressure that that pushes the buoy down. But I allow myself to realize, oh wait, I am love. My heart is naturally open. I close it in defense. Because another quote that I that I heard that I absolutely love, I don't remember who said it, but I heard it in an interview. And the reason why I'm saying that is because I got an ego, and if I didn't say that, I would try to claim to y'all that I came up with this quote. You know what I mean? Because I like sounding and looking smart, but I'm not. I'm not. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but... This quote was basically saying that the soul is always open. It neither has offense nor defense. But the ego is always in defense. And so we don't close our hearts for some nebulous reason. We close our hearts because we're constantly walking around life preparing to defend ourselves, to defend our vulnerabilities. Because when you've experienced enough pain, you start to feel like vulnerability is a liability. And in order to avoid that, I gotta close up. Thinking that that's what's going to keep me safe, but in actuality, it comes at an opportunity cost. Closing up is stopping me from being able to do what I do innately, which is to be open. And when I am open, when I allow my heart to be open, or rather, And he he says he prefers saying it this way because it it implies less effort. If you simply don't let your heart close, anytime you feel your heart closing, you feel yourself starting to adorn a level of, of rejection or judgment towards yourself or someone else. Just identify, oh, my heart's closing. Just open it up. And when you allow that to be your focus and it gives you that single-mindedness, you will be amazed how your emotions, your thoughts, your motivations, your drivers in life, your attachments, all of these things begin to integrate and harmonize with one another. And so you no longer have to control them through authoritative self-parenting or a level of controlling energy. They can simply flow and dance together and be the ecosystem that they're meant to be. And I see a couple faces of people that are looking at me a little bit funny when I refer to us as ecosystems. And so I knew there'd be a level of uh, skepticism. So you guys know I love science and psychology and all this kind of stuff. I figured I'd have to throw a little something fun in here. I'm gonna talk to you about a form of pathology actually called DID or Dissociative Identity Disorder. Many people probably know it as Multiple Personality Disorder, but... uh. DID is a disorder characterized by the presence of two or more distinct personality states. Dissociative Identity Disorder, previously called Multiple Personality Disorder, is usually a reaction to trauma as a way to help a person cope with or manage painful situations or memories. This typically occurs with people that have dealt with some form of extreme sexual, physical, emotional trauma, typically before the age of seven. I get that right, Mom? Okay, because she'll catch me after church if I mess it up, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but as a result of that trauma, their mind and their brain experiences this process called psychological fragmentation in which it will create numerous personality states, these personality states designed in some way, each in different ways, to protect that person. They might, let's say, for example, if that child was uh, dealt with very deep physical or sexual abuse, they might adorn a personality state that is very strong-minded and intense, and you, know, you might even call it scary, Or they might, let's say for example, if they had a a home where they weren't able to express themselves in the way that they'd like. Maybe they would adorn a different personality that was able to suppress their emotions because of the fact that they can't communicate and connect. But the amazing thing about DID, and if you've heard me speak about this before, you'll find this familiar, but it's like, you'd be amazed at, the different attributes that each one of these personalities can develop. So even though they're within the same body, it's as if they're a completely different person. These people will, uh, they can adorn, these different personality states can adorn different handwriting. Their voices may change. They will have oftentimes different memories. Sometimes when one is in the, the state of acting in the world, the excuse me, when let's say they switch to one of the personalities, that person might experience a blackout and wake up up a day later not realizing what happened and it's because they disassociated. But they also can have varying biological issues. One identity could have type two diabetes and require insulin injections every day. Whereas another one does not have diabetes but has high blood pressure. You guys are not flipping out to this. This junk drove me crazy when I found this out. I, you know what, let me, let me stop all this trying to act like I'm in church. Listen, I'm talking about one body, one person, one person. And sometimes they got diabetes, and then the other times they don't, but they have high blood pressure. I'm like, y'all tripping if that doesn't blow your mind. I was like going across my room like, yo, this is wild. <laughs> But what's the relevance of that? It's because something that is birthed, something that occurs, it can only possess that which was found in its origin. That divisiveness, that separation that we can identify so clearly in someone with DID as a result of their trauma, that same division is within us. Because we ourselves don't even have one concrete personality. We switch, we adjust, we are not always the same person. You'll notice that if you are aware of how you interact with all of your friends and your family and what have you, you'll, yeah, see, you see? (laughs) It's almost as if there's different yous based upon where you are. And so I just thought that'd be a little interesting thing to throw in there. So let's switch to slide four. Slide four is gonna be all about the next step or one of the next vital steps in harmonizing your ecosystem. Stop judging away your own innocence. I don't know about you, but I have to say that judgment is one of my most native tongues. (laughs) (laughs) Self-judgment, particularly, but it's so limiting for us because it stops us from occupying a harmonious state. It is a barrier to harmonizing our ecosystem. Because what it does is, when we judge ourselves, it creates a categorical separation within us between the parts of me I accept and the parts of me I reject. That I like these aspects of the ecosystem. I like those animals. I like, oh, that plant? Oh, that one's really good. Oh, that aloe vera? I like that. But those, those wild boars over there that chew up all the vegetation and, and, and create damage that Im- impedes on the ability of other animals to survive? Oh, I hate those wild boars. We create this categorical separation, not realizing that when there is an ecosystem, every one of those animals, every one of those living beings is a necessary constituent factor in the maintenance and growth of that particular ecosystem. And let me see, let me make sure I don't skip myself. This is my favorite part. Okay, I've been waiting for this. But when we do that, when we create this categorical separation, what we're ultimately saying to ourselves is, I am not that and I am this. We're saying, I can't, I can't I'm denying myself. I'm denying what I've been through. I'm denying, I'm denying everything that has played a role in where I am right now. But the problem with that, the reason why that is so dangerous, it's because we don't realize why our dysfunctional behaviors came in the first place. So many of the aspects of yourself that you loathe, that you wish weren't a part of you, they are, in fact, they initiated to protect you. If you, for example, find yourself experiencing anger, if you have anger issues, perhaps when you were younger, they, th- that anger was birthed as a defense to anyone or anything that could harm your vulnerability. Maybe you used to be the polar opposite of angry. Maybe you used to be extremely passive. And you encountered a danger or a pain or a fear that viscerally affected you to such a thorough degree that you said, I can't risk this happening another time. And so that anger rose up to protect you, but now later on in adulthood, you find yourself having false triggers. (laughs) You find yourself getting angry in moments where actually you don't need to defend anything. And so we hate the anger, but not realizing, had I not developed that at the time that I did, maybe I wouldn't have even made it here that maybe it served a purpose in the past, that maybe that anger isn't evil, it's just outdated. And there's this powerful healing technique that this man by the name of Dr. Gabor Mate, he's a leading expert on addiction. One of the things he said is, he's like, you know what one of the most healing things you can possibly do to your dysfunction is? Say thank you to it. Thank you for when you kept me. Thank you for when you looked out for me. Thank you when you were the only one in the room because I understand that you served a purpose. And so this whole time, I've been demonizing you. I've been saying how unworthy I am as a result of you. That's like saying to a child, I wish you were never born. And you're saying that to yourself. You're saying that to your own constituent elements. But it served its purpose. And he said, tell it thank you. And think about what it did for you at the time that it served you. And say to it, I appreciate you. I don't hate you anymore. I simply got it now. I got the reins now. Your anger is just you telling yourself, I need to take the reins. That part of you that became the protector, (laughs) trying to handle all your business as if you're still a little child. But you say, no, thank you. I got it now. And just if we look at this image, this diagram, what it's basically saying is if you look at so many of our dysfunctional behaviors, they come back, they trace back to coping mechanisms. And those coping mechanisms trace back to pain. And so when we sit there and we judge the dysfunctional behavior, we're actually judging away our own innocence because we're all just people that have been through pain. And when we're not going through pain, we're fearing encountering more. And that state empowers us to such a thorough degree. And I'd like to actually convey this through another form of um, pathology, I guess I could say, but ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, and this is particularly relevant because over the past decade or beyond the levels of diagnoses that we have noticed of ADHD have inclined rapidly. The people that deal with it, like the numbers are absolutely insane. If you were to look this up, it's like, what? I thought it was just me. It's like, no, it's like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably like 60% of this room. We just ain't telling nobody, you know? (laughs) So attention deficit hyperactivity disorder is characterized by an inability, or rather a difficulty, with focusing our awareness on a present moment, focusing our awareness on a single concept or thought or space for a particular period of time. It's obviously a loss of attention, a deficit of attention. It's characterized by that, hope or that hyperactivity, often characterized by aggressiveness, impulsivity, all of these different elements. And so even something that we have a fancy name for that we, have, we can diagnose and we have medication for. Even that junk. Wonder where it comes from. I'll, I got a question for you. If you are a five-year-old or a six-year-old child living in an abusive home, whether it's physically abusive, emotionally abusive, or just toxic, how do you escape? Can you get up and leave the house? Can you go get emancipation from your parents and go live on your own? You're a child. You basically need that that family unit, however it manifests, to survive because that's where you eat, that's where you have shelter, that's where you have clothes. So now you're stuck in a painful space that you can't escape, but you need it. What do you do if you can't escape it physically? You escape mentally. You disassociate from the present moment. If you can't have your body leave the room, your mind leaves the room. And so the child in that situation will all all often find themselves becoming rather skilled in disassociating from that which is occurring in the moment. Now when your parents fight or argue or there's some type of tension going on, you can leave that place. And now you've got a new skill that can protect you. Now whenever that happens, you might still feel it, but it's less painful, it's a little bit less torturous, because you're not there. And now you get older. Now you're in high school and you're trying to study. You notice that as you read the chapter, you keep thinking about them brownies mom made yesterday. You find that this skill that you developed to leave the present moment is now impeding on what you now are referring to as your attention. It's now influencing your focus, and when people tell you, hey, you need to focus, you need to focus, why is it so difficult? Because the defense mechanism that once kept you sane is now keeping you shackled, and that right there is the large majority of the dysfunction we experience in adulthood. So you're judging that which protected you. Say thank you for it. It'll really help you to harmonize. And my final point, the final step that I wanna contribute today in terms of harmonizing our ecosystem, is merging acceptance with action. And this is something that I've been wanting to talk about for a while. Because this whole concept of acceptance, it can give us these mixed feelings, you know, because we understand cognitively, okay, it makes sense that I'm in the world. I don't have control of everything. And so if I'm constantly in the state of denial, then I'm going to be miserable and I'm going to hate everything. And so I just need to accept. I need to accept whatever it is that life brings my way and be open to God. What do you do? What do you do if you don't have enough money to pay the bills and you got three kids and they're hungry? What do you do then? Do you sit there and say, I'm just gonna accept this as it is? Maybe some of you could do that. I couldn't, I don't have any kids, but I can tell you (laughs) from conjecture, I wouldn't be able to simply do that. And also, what then? That sounds more like accepting defeat as opposed to actually being able to change the situation. And the thing about this is it's not that acceptance is wrong or it's not that acceptance doesn't apply to all situations. It's that we don't fully understand what acceptance is. We think that if I am to fully accept what is going on, then that means I have to accept my story about what's going on. That means I have to accept the narrative that I am homeless. I have to accept the narrative that nothing goes my way, that I am worthless. If I am in a state of acceptance, it means I have to sit down and cross my legs and say, well, here it is. We make this incorrect association between acceptance and passivity. Not realizing that acceptance is actually the foundation of radical movement. Because acceptance isn't about the past. It's not about the future. It's about optimizing right now. It is not about the story. You don't need to accept the story that is happening because the story isn't happening, life is happening. Understand the difference between accepting what's happening and accepting your interpretation of what's happening. And if you accept, if you choose to accept your interpretation and it doesn't feel good, it will damn you. It will harm your soul. It will weaken you. It will put you in a state of paralysis where you don't feel like you can move. And if you don't believe me, what does a person that's depressed look like? A person that's depressed, what do they feel? They feel two things. They feel powerlessness and they feel paralyzed. They don't wanna get up and do X, Y, Z. They don't wanna, when you tell someone who's going through depression, when you tell them, come on, just get over it. Why don't you just go to the gym? Why don't you just do X, Y, Z? You don't realize you're speaking the wrong language (laughs) because the nature of hopelessness is paralysis. And when you believe that acceptance is leading you to a space where you can't do anything, where you are just a victim to life. If we're real, that's really what that interpretation is like. We're choosing to accept that I am just a victim to life and I can't control it. But that's not what God calls us to do when he says to accept. As Jesus said, I came so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The abundant life is not a paralyzed life. Abundant life is not victim life. It's about power. It's about movement. It's about capability. And the way that you flip the script on acceptances, if I can accept this moment, not what I think is happening, if I can accept what is right now, Now I can act, now I can move, now I can do X, Y, Z. Because if I don't accept the narrative, because I don't accept the narrative, I don't have to, the narrative doesn't exist. That's from my mind. If I can accept what is factually happening in this moment, guess what? Now I'm in the best position to figure out what to do in the next moment. Because I'm no longer in a state of denial, I'm no longer Wasting my energy, fighting what's going on right now, which is ridiculous. It's here right now. Like, how am I going to change this chair being here right now? I can move it in a second, but then it moved later. It didn't move now. You get what I'm saying? Like, here it is. What are we going to do? So it's the only logical thing. When I enter into that state of acceptance for right now, It empowers us. It frees us. Because we no longer need to accept the narrative. And we come to find that true true acceptance is empowering. Because now we can move. Now we can shake things. And by the way, also please understand that accepting life isn't just accepting what's going on outside of you. This is life too. Accept how you feel. And you know, when you really start doing this, you realize something powerful, that acceptance is layered. That there are moments where I realize I can't accept it. But if I accept that I can't accept it, a new freedom comes. If you say, I just can't accept this situation. i got to change it. okay, Those emotions, those thoughts, those energetic manifestations within you that are saying that, accept them too. Accept your own inner discontinuity. Yeah, I get it, it's a paradox. It's showing us that this is deeper than just what goes on outside our eyes. We can achieve that harmony, not by trying to do everything the right way, not trying to, you know, force ourselves into accepting, because really all that is is lying to ourselves. You don't mean it. (laughs) That's literally like a six year old saying, I don't care. Go ahead, take the cookie, I don't care. We care. (laughs) And it's just such a beautiful thing and when we bring this all together, it allows us to harmonize in a powerful way. But I just wanna leave us with one last message. Psalm 127 and 1. A song of ascent of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. My interpretation of this statement, it's saying to us, of course, that when we do when we act void of the lord at the basis of our action when we are not considering when we are not bringing god into our action then our god then our work is in vain that's ultimately what it's conveying to us but the way that i honestly perceive that i feel like work and action without god is work and action that is in a state of denial and rejection of self. Because when I am not integrated, I won't get along with anything going on outside of me. Whereas if when I am integrated, when when I am harmonious, I can accept what's going on outside of me. I can engage with what is going on outside of me in a positive way my relationship with self is identified and optimized. This is what all of this is about. If you don't listen to anything I've said today, listen to this. Life is about relationship. It is relational. And being becoming harmonious with your inner ecosystem is about saying, how do I relate to myself? If I master how to relate to myself, to the the constituent parts that I am, by understanding that each one of these things have roles, my emotions aren't evil. They are conditioned and they've had a purpose. My thoughts aren't evil, they're there. They're conditioned, they have a purpose. My motivations, my drivers, all of these things are objective. I can love them, I can accept them, and I can actually allow them to be. I don't need to suppress them into submission. I can say let's dance together, but let us be single-minded in our progress and our growth. When I allow that to be the focus, when that inner relationship optimizes, I guarantee you there is no such thing as someone that is optimized relationally internally, and they have jacked up relationship with reality. And when you optimize your relationship with self, and you optimize your relationship with reality, You've optimized your relationship with God. He is with you in everything you do and everywhere you go. He is with you when you are at peace. He is with you when you are angry. He is with you when you are feeling lost. He is with you when you realize you are connected with everything. You can't get away from him. It says God is married to the backslider. He is with you. And when you occupy that state of integration, you can actually access the power that is given to you by having your works and your actions be connected with God. Thank you. Thank you guys. I love you.